the latest episode of the Canadian RegTech Association's podcast, RegTech Roundup. Today, I'm here with founder and CEO, Anthony Quinn of Arctic Intelligence. We're here to talk about the Enterprise AML Risk Assessment. The Enterprise AML Risk Assessment is probably one of the most misunderstood and potentially loathed undertakings that I've ever been part of in my compliance career. Why? It can be tedious, time-consuming, and in certain cases, a moving target, but it's essential. By understanding your organization's risk appetite, you can begin to understand how the risks that the products and services you offer, the geographical areas that you do business in, and the types of customers that you choose to onboard add up. From there, you can tune your operational processes to align to that risk exposure, not only to fill in the gaps, but to also minimize cost overkill and help make better revenue decisions for your business. In my past experiences, and even still today, many firms perform this task manually, using manual methods like complex spreadsheets that are difficult to maintain and update or to extract meaningful insights from. The risk assessment just ends up being a literal pile of data that gets pushed into a cyberspace corner left to collect space dust. That's why meeting Anthony Quinn was so refreshing. With over 25 years experience in risk, he's founded Arctic Intelligence, an automated risk assessment platform and made it his mission to help firms understand the importance of the organizational AML risk assessment. In our talk, he shows us how you leverage your own company's data to configure your risk assessment into something that's right for you, to extract value from the process by delivering insights on your business to help make decisions about products, services, and the future of your organization. He shows us the difference between just doing risk assessment and doing it well. Anthony, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Arctic Intelligence? and the AML risk assessment. Hi, Charlene. Uh, Thanks for having me on. So my name's Anthony Quinn. I'm the founder and CEO of Arctic Intelligence. So we're a regulatory technology firm based out of Sydney uh, that specialises in financial crime risk management software, particularly related to enterprise-wide financial crime risk assessments. Um, We've got hundreds of clients in about 15 geographies in 20 industries that use our technology to essentially uplift their risk assessment capabilities. Excellent. First off, I think the organizational risk assessment is one of the most fundamental building blocks of your AML program. It really sets the stage for the ability of that organization to undertake a risk-based approach to managing AML risk, but it's one of the most misunderstood activities what exactly is the AML risk assessment and why is it so critical? Well, just sort of stepping back a bit. So you mentioned risk-based approach. Um, so, so that was basically introduced about 15 year, years ago, really, as an alternative to prescriptive-based approaches, which are obviously criticised for being 
kind of one size fits all now obviously that given the diversity in, in the number of regulated entities in terms of the size or the industry sectors or geography or the actual risk profile of those organizations that a risk-based approach you know is, is more appropriate but then what that does it basically puts the onus on businesses to really identify and assess their risks and vulnerabilities to their organization being exploited by organized criminal networks so they so they really need to understand you know the nature size and complexity of their business um, and how they might become vulnerable based on the types of customers that they're dealing with the types of products and services they offer to those customers how they distribute those products um, through different sort of face-to-face and non-face-to-face distribution channels and looking at things like other environmental context, you know, the, the, um, the vulnerability to different types of financial crime risk exposures, whether that's money laundering or terrorism financing or sanctions or what have you. And then obviously looking at things like geographic risks and business risks, such as like outsourcing and things like that. So, so I think people do, people do struggle with it. It's obviously very critical because if those organisations aren't able to identify and assess the risks that are relevant and appropriate to their business, then they could go away and build a whole um, range of controls um, and those they, they may implement those controls, but they might not be actually relevant to the risks that the business actually has. So that's why it's pretty um, important. Yeah, definitely. It really is the platform um, to assess the organizational risk and to, you know, assess customer risk and determine what controls um, and activities need to be in place at onboarding and from an ongoing monitoring perspective. Um, you know, I I was able to uh, review your uh, Arctic Intelligence just released their 2022 AML uh, industry benchmarking report, and it was excellent, really eye opening. Uh, in terms of, you know, what some of the um, activities are in the world of AML. Um, And in the report, your team released a number of challenges um, that folks face when trying to deal with risk assessment. Can you tell us what some of those key challenges are uh, and how can we start to tackle those? Yeah, absolutely. So so just to give the context behind that benchmarking report and why we put it together, Basically, it was the second year that we we've run that. We're starting to plan the 2023 one now, but essentially, it's uh, like a survey really across um, you know lots of risk and compliance um, people from about 41 different countries um, that completed that survey. But it's also compared to you know our clients and how they use the the our platforms to conduct risk assessments, and it was just really drawing on some of the the insights. We probably touch on some of those a bit, a bit later, but in terms of um, some of the questions or some of the challenges that people have and and how they can start to kind of overcome those challenges. There's a lot. We could probably spend an hour on this whole topic alone anyway. But I think um, just in summary, there's, you know, there's at least kind of 10 that I've, I've thought of. So, so the first, I think, is really around, you know, defining the risk appetite. So obviously boards need to set that on behalf of the organisation. You know, are they a risk-averse type culture? Are they risk-taking and what and what really is the risk tolerance that they have um, to basically accept risks that might be outside of that risk appetite in order to achieve the business objectives? So, so that's the conversation that absolutely needs to be had. I think um, 
you know, if you ask most boards, you know, what's your appetite to money laundering? They'd all say, you know, well, we don't have any appetite whatsoever. And that's just not practical. You know, you'd have to shut all the products, you know, not offer any products or services to customers and, and so on. So it's really around accepting that risk, but being able to sort of mitigate and manage it. So that whole conversation about risk appetite is important. I think the next thing is really deciding what methodology to use. So obviously it needs to be sound, it needs to be logical and be explainable. Uh, there's lots of different um, kind of methodologies that you could use, you know, different, you know, three by three, like low, medium or high or very low, low, medium and high and so on. So it's actually defining, you know, what is the, what is the appropriate methodology and how does it actually relate from an inherent residual risk uh, effectiveness um, perspective. I think the next thing is really like assessing the nature, size, and complexity of the business. So, you know, what what is the right level of risk assessment that needs to be conducted? So, if you're a you know a highly complex business with you know multiple operating groups, lots of different products, you know, hundreds of thousands of customers, um, you know, doing lots of you know transactions and, and trades and transfers and things like that. Obviously, you need to have a risk assessment that's appropriate to that nature, size and complexity. And, and part of that is actually defining, you know, what risk groups or risk categories, risk factors or risk indicators should actually be considered when conducting the risk assessment. And obviously, you know, we've seen lots of different um, types of risk models in there. Some are very kind of high level, surface level, very superficial. Um, and, you know, people need to make sure that, that it's, it's pretty comprehensive. Um, and that, that kind of just folds into another challenge, which is really around, you know, once you've understood those um, kind of the, the risk components that should be considered, having that that eye around, you know, is this, should it be a question-driven um, risk assessment, i.e. is it subjective and obviously open to interpretation? So if you ask five different people, you know, what they're, what they consider the likelihood and impact of a particular risk to be, you probably get six different answers. Um, versus, you know, should it be objective? So is it data driven? You know, not uh, rather than subjective, um, or, or is it a hybrid of the two? You know, what is the most appropriate way? And um, obviously, there's pros and cons of both. Um, you know, whether you can actually source the data to drive a data driven model is just as much a challenge as having. I guess subjective bias in a in a model when when doing that assessment. So that's kind of one of the things that need to be weighed up. I guess the level of sophistication that is applied is also important. Um, I've seen some models that are like crazily scientific, but very hard to explain um, to anybody, you know, including the people that are actually uh, in charge of those risk models. So. You know, you can have models that that treat all risks equally in terms of um, no no proportionality, or you can have other models that say, well, customer risk or this particular customer risk is more risky than than this and less risky than this. So, you know, having that conversation around weightings and what is logical, and the important things about being able to actually explain and defend the the methodology and the process that has been put in place. So that's all part of it. I think the other challenges that are obviously assessing inherent risk is, is just one sort of side of the of the equation, but really looking at 
you know, the control design and operational effectiveness. So what controls are in place? How important are those controls? Like are they key controls? Do you want to apply any sophistication in terms of weighting the importance of those controls? And then actually looking at well, what, what types of control tests do I need to be performing and what type of evidence do I need to be gathering to essentially test the design and operational effectiveness of those controls. So, you know, from a design perspective, it is, you know, are the controls present? Are they fit for purpose? And from an operating um, performance perspective, you know, were the, were the controls actually implemented or, you know, and are they operating effectively? And if so, how effectively are they? And obviously, if there are gaps um, found through that process, being able to kind of document those gaps, being able to articulate, you know, the things that need to be improved around it um, is kind of key. I think one of the other big challenges, I think, is um, there's a lot of guidance on risk assessments out there published by regulators um, in, in terms of kind of red flags and typologies, but there's very little guidance actually in terms of how all of the risks within a risk assessment interrelate to each other. So how does a customer, you know, a higher risk customer that's, that is engaged in, you know, higher risk transactions through higher risk products in higher risk ju jurisdictions, et cetera, you know, how, how do they kind of correlate in terms of the actual enterprise risk that that, that, that makes up? So you need kind of some way of, I guess, aggregating the, the different types of risks across a, a risk model. And again, aggregating them across the enterprise. So you might have, you know, very complex businesses that are running these risk assessments across, you know, many different countries, many different business lines, product lines, and so on. So being able to kind of have a sound methodology that allows that aggregation of the risks, not only within a risk model, but across the across the enterprise to to take into consideration that. Um, and then of course, it's the tools to use. So we're obviously a big advocate, um, being a reg tech firm that, you know, tech enabled, you know, human led risk assessment processes are way, way stronger than spreadsheet based approaches, which are, you know, riddled with issues in terms of being able to document an audit trail behind the risk decisions that are being made uh, being able to document the the workflow in terms of what risks have been reviewed and approved by different people and actually being able to efficiently aggregate risks in a real-time or near real-time way. Um, and I think some of the challenges of, of spreadsheet-based approaches is that organisations are very complex. Um, you know, spreadsheets aren't really fit for purpose anymore for doing this type of thing. And because the process is so manual using spreadsheets, it takes months and months and months to complete. And so there's a lot of time and efficiency saving, let alone kind of quality control around the risk assessment using, using tech-enabled approaches. So there's a whole bunch of things for, for people to kind of consider there. And, um, yeah, I think, I think people are reaching out and starting to embrace reg tech in this space. Like you said right at the beginning that it's – one of the least well understood and probably one of the least invested areas. Like there's a lot of investment that's gone into KYC and, and transaction monitoring, but very little investment traditionally has gone into this space. 
I uh, I absolutely remember my experiences uh, working uh, as part of a team undertaking the risk assessment and magazine size sheets of Excel being pasted onto the walls so that we could map, track, and make correlations. Um, I'm sure that many of our listeners will also recall those days, if not, and if there's folks who lead compliance teams, know that your folks, there may be folks who are doing some of this manually and that there are tools that actually can help you um, create these outputs like Arctic Intelligence a lot more uh, easy. You you gave our, our listeners some really, really good advice. And I'm just going to kind of go through and 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 kind of um, just summarize that again, because I thought it was really, really great. Uh, and it was a great little methodology as well to kind of undertake this, um, the, this activity in your organization. So it's really, you, you need to start off and you need to start off defining that risk appetite, understand what your organization is about and the level of risk that you're prepared to take. And then you need to invest some time in really thinking through that methodology um, and all of those elements that you want to consider uh, in, in that particular process. And then the other thing that you hit on, and I think that um, tooling is a huge support uh, for this piece, which is the explainability of that methodology and the outcomes that were achieved by exercising that methodology and undertaking the risk assessment. And so that kind of leads us to our next question, which is what, what are the regulators looking for in risk assessment? I think, I think they're looking for a lot actually. And, and I think their expectations are, are increasing, but I think, you know, obviously they're looking for the fact that businesses actually have one in the first place and that they can actually demonstrate that it's, it's really an embedded part of their risk management framework. Obviously, you know, the requirement is not that this is a once-off, tick the box, put it in the bottom of the drawer exercise, but being able to de demonstrate that, you know, the risks are being assessed on an ongoing basis and that control framework is kind of improving over time. Um, I think they're looking for um, the fact that a risk assessment is tailored to your business. So obviously, you know, we and others have got technology platforms that are out, are out there. Um, I think what they're looking for, particularly the larger, more sophisticated organisations, is that, you know, they've given some thought to, you know, the risks that are really relevant to their business. Um, and so if there are risk assessments that are done, you know, just using generic information, um, they might and may not be considered to be tailored enough for, for them. So that, that seems to come up a fair bit. Um, going back to the explainable and defendable, you know, it's obviously very difficult if you've got, you know, 20, 30 different spreadsheets that have been completed by 20, 30 different people to really, you know, the regulator comes in and says, oh, can you explain your risk assessment methodology? It's very difficult to be able to, to really get to the heart of that, um, particularly around explaining the decisions and uh, that have been taken through, through that process. So obviously it needs to be, you know, very clearly defined, you know, what was the methodology you put in place and why, what the risk models you wanted to assess, what the types of risks you wanted to assess and why, how did you go about conducting the risk assessment? How did you form the views that you did? Um, what type of testing did you do? And um, what did you find? And, and, and how did that inform your risk? So I think 
being able to essentially explain the the setup in in the first place in terms of the methodology, risk models, controls, et cetera, is important. And also being able to actually explain the execution of it. So, you know, what decisions did you make? What the rationale behind those decisions? Can you provide a full audit trail over those decisions, you know, and and all the way up, up the way through um, back to say, right, well, this is the risk assessment. These are the outputs that were produced. Um, and actually having that conversation to say, okay, is this in line with the risk appetite? If it's not, you know, you need to go back and do do more work um, in terms of, you know, either reducing the risk by improving the controls, the, the number of controls or the type of controls or the effectiveness of those controls. Um, so that that's obviously what they're looking for. Obviously it needs to be repeated, um, you know, being able to essentially benchmark how your organization's approach is maturing towards that so you might do a risk assessment today might find you know holes all over it and and areas for improvement what they're looking for is is really you know the fact that the next time you come and do a a risk assessment you've you've closed some of those um, compliance gaps or known deficiencies or and you're actually um, making positive changes that are essentially reducing the risks um, of your business being exploited by those organised criminal networks. So I think having something that's repeatable and benchmarkable is, is important. And just the last point I think I'll make on this is, is the fact that you know, nothing nothing's standing still. Like everything is constantly changing. Like the risk and threat landscape is constantly changing. Criminals are coming up with more and innovative ways of... Um, scamming or laundering money through all sorts of different types of businesses obviously the rules and regulations are constantly changing you know there's there's new regulatory guidance or typologies or enforcement actions and people need to really be understanding you know how those changes should be applied into their risk assessment Uh, obviously things like the country risk we've seen with some of the sanctions and, and other kind of geopolitical activities that that is certainly very fluid uh, at the moment um, in the external environment, but also in the internal environment. People are buying new businesses, going into new markets, going after new customer segments, launching new products. um, And all of those business activities have uh, implications from uh, an enterprise-wide risk assessment perspective. So really what regulators are looking for, I think, is, is the fact that you have a robust process for maintaining um and reapplying the risk assessment as things move on, really. You know, I I can't agree with you more. And I know on our end of the spectrum where we look at customer risk. So, you know, we kind of follow um, the AML compliance value chain. We follow, uh, you know, I would say just right after that enterprise risk assessment and our customers embed their risk appetite into uh, their customer risk assessments and things like your exposure to, uh, you know, Russian customers, whether they're uh, entities or individuals, is a huge uh, challenge uh, and concern for our customers as well, um, and how that that influences and changes the landscape relatively quickly, uh, and in this case, really overnight. Um, Absolutely. I want to uh, just take you back. Um, you know, you talk so eloquently about the the risk assessment. Um, 
when when we were initially preparing for uh, the podcast, we talked a little bit about what what drove you to to found Arctic Intelligence in in the first place. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what what led you to to um, develop this this thing that helps make this process a lot easier? <laughs> probably a momentary lapse of weakness given all the hard work that's been involved in setting this business up but um i guess really my, my backstory is prior to setting up arctic i'd spent 25 years consulting to different uh, companies so i started my career in london working for accenture in their capital markets practice consulting to different investment and retail banks um and then 20 years ago i moved to australia on a gap year which just got extended and extended but i ended up running um, as a program director a number of risk and compliance programs for different banks um, in terms of like operational risk. And I ended up getting headhunted by Macquarie Bank, which is one of our investment banks here, to essentially set up the program for AML back in 2006 before the AML regulations had even come into effect. And, and uh, it was an interesting experience because it was really in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Um, not many people really had much experience of um, applying a risk-based approach. Australia was actually one of the first countries to, to roll that out in, in 2006. Um, and it, it, was a, it was a challenge. There weren't any tools around. The level of uh, maturity and sophistication was back then, you know, pretty poor given the size and complexity of, some of these organisations, it still doesn't um, fail to surprise me the, the the level of maturity that we see in some of our uh, prospective clients that we're talking to around how they've currently been managing these risks. And and I just set about thinking about well, there's got to be a better way of doing that than than spreadsheets. Um, so we started to build um, to to build basically some technology, we actually started looking at audit and assurance technology. So we have a platform called the Health Check, which is really designed for uh, consultants and internal audit functions of larger organizations to assess the design and operational effectiveness against a series of, of regulations. And then we moved into, into the risk risk assessment space. And so we actually launched, we've, we've launched two particular platforms. One is really designed for small to mid-sized businesses. And we have a platform called AML Accelerate, which essentially is a guided risk assessment methodology. Uh, it's been tailored to 30 industry sectors across you know, broadly financial services, gaming, and designated non-financial services businesses. And we've got a number of um, clients in Canada and the US and, and 15 other countries that use our technology. And then we actually started to build um, a risk assessment platform, which is really designed for large enterprises. So they can change the methodology, they can change the risk model framework, they can apply a proportionality, they can aggregate across. Um, and so we, we, we licensed that into you know, major banks, um, major casinos and, and others. Um, and what, what we're finding is that they're really... Um, they're really able to sort of understand and explain and move off these spreadsheet models. So half the time we're spending talking to these organisations and essentially learning what they're doing in terms of their spreadsheet built models and we're deconstructing them and reconstructing them inside inside our platform. And, um, you know, we're, we're really excited about what's coming next as well because we're, we're starting to work on a, a data-driven risk assessment um, capability within the platform that will essentially 
take it to the next level for those organisations that are at the most um, sophisticated end of town that actually want to pass you know, real-time data in via APIs into the platform and drive the risk assessments in a much more real-time sense. So it's been a long journey. It's been since 2015. So I think people are sort of just about starting to wake up around around this uh, particular topic. Um, there's obviously millions of businesses worldwide that as part of their compliance obligations have to complete this. And uh, and often when you see uh, compliance failings at the heart of that is really the risk assessment or, or the inability to, to manage their financial crime risks effectively. So, so yeah, so we're looking forward to the, to the future. That sounds, it sounds amazing. So far, uh, we've come so far um, than, you know, at least when I started out and obviously um, when when you started uh, looking at risk on behalf of organizations. And so we can take that even one step further. And if you were to look into your crystal ball and look at the future of AML um, risk assessments, what does that look like? And what should organizations be doing to prepare? Yeah, I think... I mean, I just see um, there are a couple of really ridiculous things that are happening now is the fact that there's no standardisation in risk assessment. So, for example, in our local market, there's 17,000 regulated businesses. So is a risk-based approach. So regulators say, well, you know, just come up with your own risk-based approach, come up with your own methodology. So you've got 17,000 companies just in one local market that could all have 17,000 different risk-based approach methodologies. And you've got a regulator that has to essentially oversee the robustness of those risk-based approaches uh, on spreadsheets at varying degrees of quality. That that, that seems to me um, to be madness. Um, and I think there needs to be some level of standardisation, whether that's um, having sectoral baseline industry models that, you know, a regulator might expect a typical bank to have considered a typical you know, money remitter or wealth and asset manager or gaming firm or what have you. And then obviously um, organisations can add, add to that um, as required. So I think the level of standardisation should, should improve. I think, I mean, we're talking to governments in a lot of other sort of smaller countries that are actually looking at mandating the risk assessment in a standardised way across their entire um, regulated community now that that would be amazing because essentially you can benchmark the risks of entire industries against each other and and that that information is just uh, something that just doesn't exist at the moment so so I think that standardization has a lot of benefits to it um, and so there's a lot of um, opportunity I think to work through things like some of the public private partnerships like the global Co coalition for fighting financial crime to actually come up with some industry recognized kind of regulator you know if not endorsed but you know, supported um methodologies and frameworks so I, I definitely see that that's you know where, where things will come um in terms of you know i i see um spreadsheets declining obviously like 95 percent of people we talk to are using spreadsheets but really they're not fit for purpose um and I, I think the fact that, is, that there are technology solutions emerging uh, that can help solve this problem, then I think there's going to be significant more investment. And I think people or regulators certainly should be asking 
you know, if you're not using reg tech for this, why not? Um, and it's also, I think, it needs to uplift the capabilities in the professional services firms as well, because mostly they're advising their businesses um, using spreadsheets. They're coming in doing an uplift project to uplift a spreadsheet model using another spreadsheet model, which frankly is not really moving, um, you know, moving things forward particularly. Um, I think we're going to see, you know, less subjective based approaches, more objective based approaches. So, you know, more data driving some of the risk decisions. That basically means it's going to throw up more challenges to organisations around being able to, you know, make sure that their data is clean, they can feed it into a system in a, you know, repeatable, trustable, you know, way. Um, and obviously that's going to reduce some of the, the manual inefficiencies of having lots of humans involved with lots of subjectivity. Um, so, but I still think they'll end up being a kind of a tech-enabled, human-led approach. So it will be a hybrid of the two, hybrid of qualitative, hybrid of data-driven. Um, so I think that that's some of the trends I, I think we'll see. And, I, and like I, I was saying before, that there's obviously been a huge investment in, you know, KYC and transaction monitoring and regulatory reporting areas of reg tech, but there's been very little investment in enterprise-wide risk assessment both from regulated entities themselves, but also by the, I guess, the VC community that are backing kind of technology companies that are essentially evolving um, these these uh, domains forward. And just just to sort of wrap it up, I think the other things are, you know, the expectations are really increasing. So you've got a big drive around board accountability. You know, there's we've got senior management regimes, you know, that have got personal consequences. Obviously, the, the levels of kind of regulatory or media or societal expectations have, you know, never been higher. We've seen, you know, in our local market banks, most of the banks have, you know, fallen foul of the AML laws, have been fined millions or hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. That's the same in the gaming sector. And I know that that's very similar in Canada, just as it is in Australia. So... I think the expectations are are increasing, um, and it, it, it's a pretty bad look to think we've got a multi-billion-dollar bank with you know with hundreds of thousands of customers that are essentially managing their risks on a spreadsheet. I mean that that's in my mind, frankly, ridiculous. I, I agree, and and I think there there are two things there. Um, that you mentioned in terms of that future outlook that I think are really worth underscoring um, in addition to that board accountability, which is huge um, in a number of arenas, um, especially related to, to topics like AML and ESG. Um, but the, the two things I wanted to kind of underscore is that, um, you know, absolutely, as firms have now really built out their data programs, it's real. They're 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 starting to understand how they can actually use that data more pragmatically uh, and more fluidly for good, and being able to automate um, using your own company's data and moving that into the risk assessment. It is huge. I think that's incremental, uh, and I think companies could see a lot of value from that. I think the second thing um, that I'm really 
you know, just kind of, I'm, I'm actually really, really excited about this. And, and I think you're bang on that spreadsheets are not going to be acceptable anymore. Um, and, and that's largely due to the fact that our regulators, um, many of them have opened up their own innovation labs. Um, and, and they are starting to be focused and they're training their teams on the reg tech that's available uh, for them to be able to use to manage their own volumes, to manage their own uh, elements of work. Uh, and they are expecting that more and they're going to start demanding that more from um, FIs and other um, players like real estate casinos, et cetera, to get on board with the tech that's available so that they can get better insights um, and be more effective at AML. So definitely, definitely two areas that I think are still really exciting to watch as the whole arena of risk evolves. Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree with you more. So Anthony, thank you so much again on behalf of the Canadian Reg Tech Association for joining us today uh, to demystify enterprise risk assessment. It's, it's not easy. And I think Arctic Intelligence has done a great job uh, moving the bar forward uh, on that. So again, thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. Um, and, you know, for our listeners out there, are there any podcasts or other sources that you'd recommend um, to people to kind of stay on top of what's evolving in the risk landscape? I mean, I, I've given a few um, podcasts on this topic. I, I, I kind of, I, I love this space and I think it's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of legs in the conversation by people kind of talking about, talking about it, some of the challenges and how, how technology can overcome some of those challenges. Um, there's not there's not any in particular I'd, I'd recommend. Uh, we've we've done a few with like the Compliance Association. Um, they're big advocates um, of of um, of the risk assessment space, and we'll be doing some more through some of the um, major industry associations. Excellent. Thank you, Anthony. And thank you to our listeners. I uh, look forward to this episode of RegTech Roundup available on Spotify and on the Canadian RegTech Association website. Thank you.